Hi, everyone, and welcome to College Conversations. This is our initial episode, uh, kicking it off this week. Uh, And this podcast is really about all things related to Christian higher education, Christian colleges. We call this College Conversations because, I mean, that's what they are. They're, They're conversations. So we allow the conversations to take turns, to intentionally keep them somewhat open-ended so we can explore the ideas that are most interesting and relevant for college students. These podcasts are geared for students and their parents who are looking into Christian or Bible colleges because choosing a college is a big decision and ensuring that you graduate not just with your faith still intact but nurtured and grown. I mean, this is real important. I'm your host, Jeff Sherrod, and today's episode is packed with insights that will help you to gain perspective on choosing a Christian college. And I think that's a lot of times what we come down to is what are the fact, the metrics that we're using even when we're choosing colleges. In this episode, I'm joined by Greg Garner and Lori Kegge. Uh, Greg, who is a co-host with me on this episode, is also the president of the Institute for Global Outreach Developments, a Bible and Missions College in Nashville, Tennessee. And Lori Kegge is a professor and director of enrollment at the Institute. In this conversation, we'll look at the significance of Christian college education for equipping young minds for the kingdom of God. We explore the challenges facing Christian colleges, including the alarming trend of young Christians distancing themselves from faith. We also examine the critical issue of biblical literacy and shaping a holistic education experience. We'll touch on the often overlooked aspect of college cost and how some institutions are prioritizing biblical values over just more amenities and more buildings. And lastly, we'll discuss the challenges of Christian college debt uh, and the need for personalized support and guidance in these institutions. So settle in and enjoy. This is College Conversations. Let's dive in. Hi, and welcome to the Institute for Global Outreach Development's podcast entitled College Conversations where we will be having various conversations all about higher education, specifically Christian higher education. And through these conversations, we hope to invite you into the dialogue by thinking about those things that if you are looking for a post-secondary experience, you should be considering. There are a lot of factors to think through that are very important when it comes to choosing a college, whether it's an undergraduate program or graduate program, and not all of them have to do with merely the reputation of the school. Hmm. Right. So we will be talking about that. Well, as you can hear their voices, I have with me today Professors Jeff Sherrod and Lori Kagey. Hi, everyone. Hey, everyone. Nice and they will be with me on this journey for the most part and on occasion themselves hosting as we have these conversations concerning college. Now, I, I think our listeners, because you started mmming and everything, were like, who's the mystery persons on the back end of <laughs> right, the introductory right. communication? Uh, but, you know, I haven't even introduced myself, I think. So uh, I am Greg Garner. I am the founder and president of the Institute for GOD International. And I've had the privilege of serving in this role since 2004 when the school was established. Uh, my father, Mike Garner, Uh, Dr. Mike Garner, was uh, instrumental in framing the beginnings of the school, of which both of you attended. Right. And um, I think, Jeff, you came, and having graduated from another school, and we'll talk about that in a bit, you actually came on to to adjunct 
initially, but also enrolled in courses. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. And that was 2000, 2000, end of 2006, beginning 2007. There you go. Yep. And then Lori, you enrolled at the school in 2006. Right. right. I was a transfer student. No, I came in 2005. Five. Yes. Five. Yes. Fall of 2005. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we're, we're going to, we're going to hear more about this as our conversation continues, but for you who are listening, the space that I want you to be in with your mind is one of considering, again, what makes for an effective post-secondary, you know, post-high school education, and specifically what makes for an effective post-secondary Christian education. Right. So what, what were some of the things that you guys were thinking about when you were choosing college? How sophisticated was the rubric in your mind for navigating the different options that you had. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think that, I think at the time I didn't have a very complicated rubric. Um, my mom uh, didn't go to college. My dad was the first person in his family to ever go to college. So there wasn't a lot of exposure there. He did go to a, uh, a Christian school um, and graduate there and did ministry afterwards. Um, part of what I was looking for it was something that was going to be affordable, um, but then also uh, something that was going to teach God's word. That's kind of what I was looking for. And it probably didn't go beyond that. It felt like a means to an end, uh, probably, at, you know, at coming out of high school, like sure. let me go through and get a college education and get to the yeah, real Yeah, I ministry. think a lot of people feel like that, right? Yeah. That we just have to jump through the hoops to get us a piece of paper that now is acts like a ticket to get us into the door of whatever career it is we right. think right. We're, we're going into. And if we think we have a calling, it, it would be not too different. Right. Yeah. I also didn't have, I would say, too sophisticated of a rubric. I think I actually went on so many college visits because I'm the youngest in my family. So I went with my sisters. My parents went to college. Your dad's an educator, right? Right. He's an educator. They've both been to college. I think the the different part for me was I didn't have a rubric for Christian education. So I was mostly looking at secular colleges, universities, and enrolled in one and then realized, oh, man, I can't just – do whatever and say it's for Jesus. I actually need to go somewhere that will teach me his word. Mm. Yeah, and that is a, a common paradigm for people, right? Like mm-hmm. the, I call it the, the my buddy syndrome. <laughs> there, when I was a kid, there's this doll that came out called my buddy. And then actually the next phase was the kid sister. And they had like these really catchy songs. My buddy, my buddy, wherever I go, he, he goes. goes. You guys remember this? Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, and maybe maybe these commercials and these dolls have made a resurgence <laughs> in the last years, but this this my buddy theology is the idea that wherever I go, Jesus is going to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's just not true. Like we're not like follow me, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus right. is telling right. us follow him. Right, and you can't follow him effectively if you're following all the the bells and whistles of marketing programs from largely funded institutions yeah. that are just. Decorating their their places with, you know, wh- whatever it is that we find attractive within the scope of our calling. Because one of the big criticisms that you'll hear on this podcast coming from me is that the church has to get involved in this conversation because the church is raising Christian kids, and then, in my opinion, ironically, mm-hmm. sending them off to secular institutions, thinking. We're going to send them out as light, and they're going to win over the schools. There, there's absolutely no data that right. demonstrates these kinds of things are happening in such a way that we're seeing uh, the the 
probably the the memories folks had of like the Billy Graham era with yeah. with like Youth for Christ and Campus Crusade. Funny name. They changed it. They call themselves Crew now. <laughs> right. But uh, the, you know where you had these college campus groups on, in secular universities who all of a sudden were were winning folks over. But what it's, people don't get is like the the accrediting association that we're a part of. They're, they're 75 years old right now, older than some of the other uh, like regional accrediting right, yeah. associations. Mm-hmm. But they did not exist when some of these early college campus movements were happening yeah. because the Christian college movement itself wasn't really a thing because the initial colleges in this country, the United States, were Christian. Right, that's right. right yeah. we'll, we'll give you some samples. You've probably heard of them. Harvard, Yale. Princeton, Princeton, yeah, Vanderbilt, right. like Brown. Just keep going, yeah. We can keep going, but we all know today they're they're pretty far away from being institutions that are concerned with the gospel of Jesus, yeah, yeah. and making disciples of the nations. And so, seventy five years ago, when the Association for Biblical Higher Education, the ABHE, started getting formed by these uh, academic ministers mm-hmm. who recognized the importance of a Christian college education, the idea was that the church would get involved and that the church would get their people, their kids, ready to be put into those higher educational institutions Yeah. so that specific training in the Word of God mm-hmm. and specific training in the values that make us followers of Jesus would uh, be a part of every Christian's life. Yeah. Right. I think there are just certain things that you can't learn about the Lord even until you go through that experience of being on your own. And I think when we have this desire, let's send kids to a college campus and let them light up the darkness. It, I mean, it's a nice hope, <laughs> yeah. but right. like... The, Their parents as adults can't even do that at work. Right. Because right. they never got equipped either because they didn't go to Christian college. Yeah. And I think the stats are now like two-thirds of those Christians will walk away from the faith altogether. Oh yeah, which has climbed up. Yeah, right. From from what it has been, I know that the Barner Research Group with David Kinnaman they do a lot mm-hmm. of uh, research into this generation coming right. up, Gen Z, mm-hmm. and um, the the recently they published several works that if anyone reads will recognize the challenge. That we're in. There's, of course, a hope piece in, in every piece yeah. of data. I mean, we serve Jesus. Right. But when you look at it, if we don't act in a way that demonstrates the kind of faith that comes by hearing and hearing the word of God so that we are following Jesus in this, we will just keep sending our kids to these institutions that, though they may have a great reputation in this world, they have no interest whatsoever in equipping young people with the tools they need to navigate life, and yeah. life is challenging. Right. And I, I think that's something that people do need to recognize because, you know, we're people are walking away from the faith. This is Marna saying this as well at rates faster than what they've been able to do research in the past. This is happening at a, mm. and COVID has probably exacerbated. Oh that, yeah, so yeah, and the COVID exacerbating the previous loneliness pandemic, right? Which you just you're just piling gunk on top of gunk and. It's hard to uh, remove such residue. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and, and people are, you know, I've I've talked to people before, and they're they're looking for a particular college that you know is a Christian liberal arts school, more liberal arts than Christian often. But and, and unfortunately, th- the trend of a lot of bigger Christian schools is to go liberal arts. That's right. Yeah, 
And it's because of that mentality that they see in the students, which is likely coming from the parents mm -hmm. who, and a lot of these kids, you know, Gen Z is characterized by the Great Recession yeah. from 2007, from the, the big short and the housing market and everything crashed. And so, like, concern with job and money mm -hmm. has kind of characterized their upbringing. They saw their parents kind of have to struggle. Now their parents uh, just went back to what their parents had said, which is you need a college education and it has to be with the right kind of pedigrees from the right kind of institutions right. so that you won't have to suffer through some kind of economic downturn or yeah. whatever. And, and really, that kind of thinking is faithless. Right, yeah. yeah. It, it, it does not pay attention to... Uh, if you seek with priority or first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then you won't have to worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. You won't have to have anxiety about your needs. No, the thinking is opposite. It's, it's, it's first think about what you need. And then and after that's you're what secure, we hear, right? Right. Like and then the after you're secure, say, then go learn the Bible once yes. you have it all figured out. Yeah. And it's the, like, man, the where advice of parents from? these days is definitely, oh, you feel called to serve the Lord? That's great. Mm -hmm. Why don't you go get a real education first? Then you can get a real job to make real money. Right. And then after that, you can go get your biblical education. Yeah. And then we still wonder why they're walking away from the faith. Yeah. And it's like, man, there's, I don't know what you were hoping was going to happen um, when you say go after the things it of this world. It seems to me that. Uh, that that we have a golden calf in our midst. Mm -hmm. We just, as a society, as a Christian culture, can't identify how it is we've contributed to its formation. Yeah, and I mean, post-secondary education is is a staple to the economy of the United States. Yeah, yeah. They they are the, the United States is invested. Uh, the Sally May program, among right. other things, demonstrates how invested the United States is in educating our young people, but more so in prolonging the institutions that create space and have the reputation of having created space for young people to get some kind of knowledge so that they're able to be productive members of our uh, industrial, technological, capitalistic society. Yeah. And these schools are training them for the kingdom of America or the kingdom of England or the kingdom of Uganda, wherever you live. Right. right. And I'm not mad at them. Sure. That's mm -hmm. what they need to do. But Christian colleges are training young people for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And a secular college can't do that. No, right. That, it, it can't. And to think that your kid's going to go to a secular college and get everything they need from a Sunday school program or a, a college campus group meeting mm -hmm. or a summer mission trip is, is gosh, I, I don't want to be sensational about it. Otherwise, I'd say it's insane. Right. But I, I would say it's at least foolish. Yeah. Yeah, and that was my experience. I went to a Christian college. I went to, you know, was a part of campus ministries, enjoyed it. You know, I felt like did everything I could. But in the end, I'm like, I think God is a calling on my life, and there's nothing here for me. Mm. I, there's no there's no training available for me. I have to go somewhere that will teach me how to follow Jesus. I can't be self taught in that way. Yeah. I can't just read books right. on my own. And it's and again, I, I'm I'm trying to be nice by not saying insane. But let, let's think about something. If we really have the conviction that Jesus is Lord, and He's mm -hmm. commissioned us as his people, to be holy and, in that case, follow through with his agenda, so much so that we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that we recognize 
this agenda is a life-saving agenda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That what it is that Jesus wants us to do is a matter of life and death. Yes. Let's now just look at a, an analogy here. Because we recognize other professions, like becoming a doctor, mm-hmm. surgeon in particular. So this is a matter of life and death. Right. How would we feel if a surgeon's, like, resume included their education, and when you looked at it, they went to Bible school, and they were on an on-campus club for people who wanted to get into the medical space, (laughs) and once a week, they got to hear from other doctors just kind of share some of their insights for the general audience of whom (laughs) which they attended, would we want them to now be operating on us? Absolutely. I love this, right? Because it's laughable. It's laughable. (laughs) Because this is what we expect in Christianity. We're like, ooh, I love this minister. He's he's literally teaching the word of God. But then when you look at his resume, he'll go to, I've been self-taught or Mm -hmm. I have a revelation from God. But... There are so many biblically literate people in the world, they can't even tell the difference between what it is this person's saying that comes from God versus what it is that they're saying that's just merely religious. Mm-hmm. And th- this person is not going to be vetted by anyone. There's not going to be any legal regulation on them with respect to whether or not they can yeah. preach the gospel or speak the word of God. And um, it, it's it's created a lot of problems yeah. for and us. I, I think it must be. Part of it is probably that people don't perceive it to be a matter of life and death anymore. Um, you know, that this is ancillary to their development. Faith is a part of it. It's not central anymore. Um, and that, that's part of the church's fault. That's part of, you know, Christian college's fault. Yeah. You know, it's, and it even gets more intense when it comes to the mission field. Yeah, right. Because now you're working with easily impressionable, vulnerable people. And all you really need to do is these days have some money some video cameras, the ability to post stuff on the web. Yeah. And you're a hero. You're a hero. Yeah. And and we know, because this is part of our expertise, mm-hmm. that these folks are actually creating a bunch of chaos and, and really damaging the reputation of Jesus. Right. right. And they wouldn't know any better. Right. We, we have a bunch of folks walking around in the name of Jesus, and they don't know him. Yeah. Now, I think people would be like, Greg, that's, that's harsh, but I'm literally quoting Jesus here. Yeah. For many will come to me that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty deeds in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? And then he'll call them workers of lawlessness, mm-hmm. which means they've been working, yeah, but law, remember, law for Jesus and law for us is different. Yeah. We're not talking about the constitution and statutory mm-hmm. codes of our municipalities. For Jesus, the law was the Bible. Right. So if they're a worker of lawlessness, they're people who are, yeah, working, and they're even doing it in Jesus' name, yeah. but not according to a biblical paradigm. Right, yeah, they don't know the Unbiblical rules. workers. Mm-hmm. And that's to me, is one strong way to characterize what the heck is happening in yeah. our world right now. Yeah. E- even, I think, at Christian colleges, too, and this is where, you know, because you can't just say, well, if everyone just went to a Christian college, it'd all be fixed. You know, there's... There's work that has to be done all across the board, too. You know, Christian colleges have probably for too long, they've been out of touch with uh, um, realities that are facing kids uh, today. And um, as the culture changes, they don't keep abreast of those things. You know, I I remember taking a college class and we had to memorize the 168 places, you know, and just 
you know, on a map uh, of, of Israel. And I was, you know, at some point you're like, I can look at a map later, but what is this teaching me about life and godliness? Because there's so much emphasis on the what and the when rather than like the how right. and why. E- even, yeah. even some of these like biblical literacy examination tests that institutions will perform to see whether or not your school is actually teaching the Bible are, are kind of absurd because they will yeah. ask those kinds of questions. Do you know these 160 places in, right. in Palestine? And then it, it's, it's the difference between knowing something and knowing someone. Right. Because it's not really so teaching true. them how to know the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's just teaching them. And, and, and these days, I mean, it's part of the philosophy of the Academy for Judy, which is our K-12 through school, that uh, I, I try to demonstrate sometimes when people are trying to get kids to rote memorize a bunch of things, just the difference between when they went to school and the, how inaccessible technology was for them to be able to compute certain things where today, uh, I mean, when I was in high school, I had my TI-85 calculator that I was carrying around, but now I have something even more complex in my pocket that I take with me everywhere yeah. that can do pretty amazing computations for me, even beyond my my own personal ability to understand what is being implemented. Yeah. And it's become such a norm that, uh, yeah, a lot of higher education is catching up. I mean, even with our college, uh, one of my big, and Jeff, you know this, Jeff is not only the chief academic officer at the school, but he also has been the liaison through our accreditation process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my big things that I keep talking to the different um, folks coming in, the teams and, and such who are looking at us is just how they have really got to reconsider how important they think a library is, right. particularly uh, a physical one. Yeah. And, and how, and I gosh, years now, I've just been trying to beep that horn because uh, for some some people, you don't have a legitimate college until you have a library with 60,000 books, 100,000 books. And then it doesn't even matter that no students go in there to right. read them. <laughs> or even know how to use it or check out any books. They don't know anything about it. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> matter. It's it just you have to have it. Yeah. And uh, it, I'm just bringing this up because there is so much that's going on in, in the higher education particularly Christian education space that needs to be examined and it needs to be examined in light of the word of God and then in light of what's going on in our world right now. Yeah. I think, uh, Lori, because you work so much in communications mm-hmm. and looking at media, you, you're, you know that one of my favorite pictures is of uh, a couple guys on a trip to Tanzania. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the one with, I think it's Francis and... Kinjogo. Yeah, it is. One of them the guy is from reading, Uganda and a guy from Kenya. One of them is reading the Bible, and the other one right next to him is reading the newspaper. Yeah, and I just love that because yeah. I think I think it, it would even be better if they themselves uh, had the Bible in one hand and the newspaper mm-hmm. in the other. Yeah. Because it, it really gives us a way to think about even what the prophets had to do. The prophets were taking the Word of God— and then they were looking at the current events of their time, yep. and they were extracting those principles from the Word of God and then appropriating them to their time so that they could make the world know the glory of the Lord, Right, which right. is another way of saying know who He is. Yep. And it, it, we are just really out of touch because even when we try to do what I'm talking about there, it seems to be more so, and by we, I'm talking about higher educational mm-hmm. institutions. Mm-hmm. 
it seems to be more so within the context of um, growing bigger as an institution and get, gaining more power, which mm-hmm. is why a lot of these institutions are moving away from even Bible-based accrediting associations yeah. and just going with regional uh, accrediting associations and, because it gives them access to um, state funds, government funds, that while while a, a national accrediting association, the fact that Congress passed the fact that there should be no distinction right. with respect to regions, states haven't bought into that. Tennessee is one of them. Right. And uh, while while it's inevitable that there will be no distinction, folks are still trying to climb whatever ladder it is that they they see that ultimately, in my opinion, gives them a sense of sustainability or forever. Yeah. But it's based upon things like endowments. It's based upon uh, externalities that give an appearance of success. Yet, um, when you know, it's like it's like having a nice apple. You bite into it, and there's a worm in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, it, it there's it's rotten at the core, and we don't even know how to evaluate these kinds of things. Anymore. Yeah, I think it's just easier not to, so people don't. You know, it's it's it feels like the equivalent, even the regional accreditation thing. You know, it feels like the equivalent of a of a library with sixty thousand physical books. Yeah, we're not going to use it, but at least it's there. Yeah, you know, and I think so many decisions are made that way. Yeah, with just our eyes, and then it costs money, right. and then and you pay the for money all is of it. passed to the it. students. <laughs> yes, and the money is passed to the students, and the students don't know any better. Yeah, the students don't know that they are literally financing. The building of pillars, and the the building of whatever. Now I bring that up because uh, my college that I went to, mm-hmm. uh, it was a Christian college in California. It, it's it's pretty well known. I'm I'm reluctant to say its name because they have lawyers and and, and money and things, <laughs> and uh, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Anyways, I I was just having to work my freshman year. I got I got a lot of scholarships. I was able to cover most of um, my education, but when you're talking about after living expenses and such, somewhere between 28 and 30,000 in the 90s for a Christian college, it's heavy. Yeah, That's a heavy purchase price. And um, I was having to work several jobs. Now some of them were through the student work program, work study program, which was helpful. Others were like me doing after school tutoring, and um, music lessons and things like that. Just, just I had it in my freshman year up to six jobs. Wow. Just trying to pay things off. And I still created for myself, after having graduated within the four years, a, a significant amount of debt. But what I recognize is that while I was there and the school was putting growth initiatives, the, the, the things that they were putting money into just seemed rather grandiose. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the Bible is pretty clear through the prophets, that God is not really concerned with hewn stones yeah. or the kind of architecture that uh, requires people to carve things out. Right. And, and it, cause it, it's expensive. Yeah. It's not functional. It's completely aesthetic. And, and again, it's expensive. But the, I knew that the cost of the, the, what they were building at that institution was going to be passed to me. Mm-hmm. And the thing that really ticked me off was when the new part of campus was being built, and there was like this long roadway of which we even could take a trolley, which was kind of cool, you know, but it was a way of having a transportation from one campus to the other campus yeah. because the two campuses were separated by, I don't remember exactly what it was, maybe a half a mile walk, but trolley would get you there easy. 
but they put up these pillars and and these pillars uh, were were like uh costly these <laughs> things were were shooting i don't know 40 50 feet in the air wow and and they were just lining this driveway all the way through and they were well lit up with like recessed lighting into the ground landscaping around them and i just hated these pillars they're not holding anything up they're, they're not just holding anything up <laughs> just lining just the lining there yeah. to give you know some architect probably yeah. said this would look awesome it'd give people a great feel the funders were like yeah that looks so great this is going to really make our institution look good and it's like god is like trying to knock on somebody's heart through the word, yeah. through the prophets, mm -hmm. to say, I really hate your hewn stone, <laughs> yeah. and 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 I I I really uh, like like the 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 criticism on Bethel, for example, mm -hmm. was so extreme by Amos of Tekoa that he he would communicate to everybody if you go to Bethel, which is translated Bethel, the house of the Lord. Yeah, if you go to Bethel, you'll sin. In other words, you go you go to that place that's been built even in the name of God, right? And you're falling short of the glory of God. Yeah, this is not what God wants. And we know in the New Testament teaching, don't you know that you are the temple of the Lord? Yeah. So even accountability from Christians for how Christians spend funds, and that it needs to be invested into the education of the student, the experience of the student, is is like. I'm sure people are talking about it, but students need to know when they're going to these campuses yeah. that it, you're going to pay for that. Right. right. And it's Everything gonna be, you think looks cool. It's gonna, you're going to pay you're for paying that. You're paying for it. And it's going to be passed to your debt. Now, for some of them, they may get some scholarships. But for most of them, they're going to get loans. Yeah. One of the things that I'm really proud about, and Laura, you'll know this stat mm -hmm. better for us, is that of the uh, hundreds of folks that have passed through our institution uh, with respect to debt connected to their college experience, how, ma how many of them came out with debt, Lori? At the Not institute? a single one. Not a single person. Pretty cool. And we're really happy about that. Yeah. And have we continued that? Yeah. There is not a single graduate who has college debt Now, the institute. this yeah. is purposeful because, for example, we just built a new building. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you were to go to our building, you would find zero hewn stone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> it it is it is a, a fantastic space yeah. for education, mm -hmm. and in fact, it's beautiful. But it's beautiful with respect to a more complex criteria. Not just it's beautiful because of the ornate fixtures and the the cool, trendy looking um, elements of design that somebody had to take in 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 ornate amount of time putting together. Yeah, it's beautiful because it fits biblical values and it is going to it keeps our school affordable right right and we won't pass the debt of that on to the students outside of their capacity to get through school yeah and not have any debt right but when when students are picking colleges i just don't think they're thinking about that i don't think so either. no i don't think so either i mean i think that that's the the trick with it you go to a christian college and it, it feels sometimes immoral the amount of debt that students go into in the name of Christian schools. You know, I, I have a friend I graduated with. Mm -hmm. uh, we're in our forties, and so we we graduated uh, specifically. He graduated twenty three years ago, mm -hmm. and he still has college debt 
from his Christian college of where he was a soccer star, mm-hmm. but the soccer program didn't have enough funds to give him anything more than he did. And he had great grades, so he got like dean scholarships and things like that. But he still has debt. And just recently, because of working with a nonprofit and getting a grant where if you work with a nonprofit for a certain amount of years, they'll pay off your college debt, hmm. they finally paid it off for him. Oh, wow. Otherwise, he would be paying off that college debt into his 50s. Wow. Yeah. And I don't think young people know no, how know. heavy that feels. Right. After I got out of college, and um, it, w- was it a great education? I, I think one program was better than the other. I was in. Uh, I was a double major. I was a triple major at first, and then I thought, "Gosh, I should just go get a master's <laughs> degree." <laughs> yeah. But uh, as a double major, one program was better than the other. Um, I would say neither program uh, really equipped me for Christian living as an adult. Yeah. The ancillary programs, like student life programming, community life programming, attempted, but it was so out of touch with um, minorities like me mm. that it, it. I had to. Uh, assimilate and acclimate to white culture just to be able to participate. And that was a big job. That was hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the end, I got my paper and I had enough debt that my monthly payments would be $800. Oof. Now imagine Sheesh. graduating as a 21-year-old and you've got six months to get a job to start paying $800 a month. Yeah. You're looking for ministry jobs then, right? <laughs> right. I was supposed yeah. to be looking, and, and I did, right? And when yeah. I did, and I got there, and I, I was an associate pastor uh, at that time, mm-hmm. music pastor, youth pastor, they, of course, can't pay you well. No. And so then you forbear yep. your loans, which allows you not to pay a payment, but you still accumulate interest. Mm-hmm. Then it increases. And such goes the story for so many ministers. Yeah. And you're trying to get married. Yeah, you're then you want to get married. Then you, then you have a mortgage. You have to pay for a car. And, and then people say, well, just be wise. Or maybe you have rich parents. Mm-hmm. I didn't have rich parents. And I was being as wise as I could. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. being as wise as they led me and guided me. Because I didn't meet with a single person yeah. throughout my, my four years of college and undergrad that said, Greg, let's look at your finances. Let's look at where you're going to end up at the end of this. And then let's figure out some next steps. Yeah. Now, I met with my guidance counselor because I had an advisor, mm-hmm. and which acts as a guidance counselor. Mm-hmm. But when I went into his office to look at things, he basically looked at a checklist and said, you're, all, you're taking all the right classes. Mm. Man. And so what I want for our students here, and the, the Institute for GOD is definitely built off of, at least it's an, an inaugural shape, a lot of my own experiences at college mm-hmm. and what I wanted to see in contrast to what it was that I received. Mm-hmm. And again, it's always hard for people to hear criticism on an institution, which is why I'm not even naming my Christian college. But I do think that my Christian college would be the experience of many others who went to other Christian colleges. Because I think you guys also went to Christian colleges. Yeah, we, we did. did. Yeah. Would you say yours was pretty similar? Pretty similar, yeah. I mean, I had things that, I, I think the thing that I walked away with that was really surprising to me is that, you know, I went to a, a Bible college, actually. Um, you know, it was, it was a specific narrow focus, but it was probably the most surprising thing was to see how many people were jaded, um, you know, as they go through the program. It's like, man, these people were going to, like, serve Jesus, and they barely want to do ministry anymore. And I was like, what? The program felt like it did the opposite than what it was intending. Of course, not for everyone, right? But it felt like that was a lot of people. And why, why do you think that would happen? 
I think some of it is that Jeff and I attended the same one. And that was a, it was a shocker to me. I thought I was going to go to Bible school and everyone was going to really love the Lord. Uh, But I think that, I think that a lot of the faculty, the staff, I think they were out of touch. Yeah. I think um, we didn't have some of those, at least for me, I felt a little lost and it wasn't a huge school, um, but I didn't feel like anyone specifically knew me or invested into me, you know, like similar to you with the guidance counselor, here's a checklist, you're getting the right credits, here's what you can put on your resume. But as for like growing in Christ, identifying, you know, what gifts I may have had, um, and pouring into me as a person, I, I couldn't find that at college. And it's, it's, it's so important that that happens. Yeah, right. And I think that accrediting associations, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of sweet guys on our uh, accrediting yeah. association. And, so nice. And they have that concern mm-hmm. yeah. to, to see that not only on the academic side are things up to par, but also on the student life uh, side where you, you talk about community well-being mm-hmm. and ensuring that there are opportunities for students to be known. Yeah. And, and, and they do want to see that. And, and I know that even before we joined the Crediting Association, uh, this was a, a value point for us. Yeah. This is something that we wanted to have. And I think our students can testify to the fact that they, they can't say what you just said. Right. Lori. Nor right. could they say what you just said. Like yeah. that no one sat down with them about their finances. Like I know, you know, I know a girl, she's in her first semester here and she just had that experience. You yeah. know, the mentor looking at her her Helping work her week and her bills and, and how she's gonna make it all work. That mm. that happened within, you know, the first month of being here. Oh yeah. I, I had a, a student at registration, which happened uh, last week. Mm-hmm. During registration, the student called me up or text me first, Mr. Garner. Uh, would you be able to help me out? I have a tough decision to make. And it was with respect to the, the fact that he's, he's, he's in his senior year, and so he's, he's on a career track, and he's got this job that he really likes and needs to put time into it. But at the same time, he felt that he, he needed to take a pretty heavy load so he could finish out. Hmm. And uh, I, it was just nice to talk with him. I called him yeah. on the phone and, and just said, hey, look, let, let's evaluate your goals. When do you expect to finish? How many classes left? And then I got to remind him that his job is in education too. Right. And that because the way our school works, the jobs that our students get are often highly integrated Mm -hmm. into what specific focus they have on the the job side of things or the career track side of things. I was able just to say, hey, remember, your job's part of your education too. Yep. And the way that we've designed our school, you can be full-time and take one class this term, two classes next term, another class the next term, uh, um, two classes during the intensive, and still get your full-time right. credits. And, and you don't have to pile it up. He was so relieved. He was so happy. And um, it, it was nice to, to see him have that kind of covering. Yeah. Because he, he could walk away from it not having a second guess because he knows he's loved and cared for. In fact, he sent me a, a text the next day that just said, I feel so much better. And when you're older and you look at a, a, a college student having a problem like that, it's like nothing. You yeah. know? But we have to remember that for them, it's heavy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah he's it's up, a lot. Thinking about it, yeah. praying about it. He yeah. can't sleep. Like, that's yeah. real. Yeah. But when you, are, when you know and are known by your leadership – to the degree that you can help lift those burdens 
I mean, that was Jesus's criticism on the Pharisees who were teachers of the Bible, right? right? Mm -hmm. He's like, you heap all these burdens on the people, but you don't even give a finger to help them lift it. Yeah. Which the imagery is vivid, mm -hmm. but the interpretation is to communicate that these, these Bible teachers and people in leadership, it's part of their responsibility to use their th authority to write into policy or to write into procedure these creative ways of helping young people or their students to be able to carry the load of a biblical education. Because mm -hmm. remember, that, that the load that, that the Pharisees were putting on people, it wasn't like everyone in general. They weren't the civil government of their time. Right. The load that they were putting on people were folks who wanted to learn about God yeah. and learn the word. Mm -hmm. And the expectations were so heavy, they just couldn't accommodate everything. And then Jesus' criticism wasn't that the load was so heavy. His yeah. criticism was, you guys aren't helping them. Yeah. And I'm thankful to be part of an institution Me too. Me where too. we've got faculty, staff, administration, everybody yeah. who's just ready to help students. And it's a blessing to see that. I'm going to wrap up our first episode here in College Conversations. I want to thank Professor Jeff Sheridan, Professor Lori Kagey for their time. Absolutely. Thank I'm you. really happy to be here. And I look forward to the, the next conversation we get to have concerning post-secondary education, specifically Christian colleges. God bless you, everyone. See you guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to College Conversations. If you have ideas for the podcast, including topics or guests, or even just questions you might have, we would love to hear them. Contact us using the link in the show notes. Thanks and God bless.